Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Hmm. Sales and earnings. Sales, revenue, earnings season. Here we are. All fingers are essentially pointing like at oil right now and saying, what do you got for us? So oil's back up to about $50 a barrel. And people feel comfortable with that. So... Uh, it's exponential how much money companies and countries can make when oil drops and when oil rises, just a couple bucks a barrel. So, let's see. Hmm. We have oil, yeah, just under $50 a barrel. 10-year treasury, just under 2.1. It's at 2.08%. Again, that's telling you that there's the world is in trouble. And in this case, the world is slowing, economically speaking, and they're putting their money in our treasuries, in our securities in the United States, because they don't trust their currencies. Put it in the dollar, the dollar's been rising, which is a boost to your quote-unquote investment. Um, whereas you put it in, like, Brazil, their currency's lost 70% of its value in the last year. So you kind of get the idea of the world emerging markets saying, you know, what are we going to do here and where should we put things? So it's earnings season. That should be a driver on the market. It should. Uh, but again, people are more so pointing towards, you know, is the data economically weak enough? Will the Federal Reserve raise interest rates? There was a report today that the American Petroleum Institute showed a 1.2 million barrel decline in weekly crude stockpiles versus expectations for a build in inventories. Um, and that's been the story of oil today. Uh, oil prices have been on a tear in recent sessions, up 9.4% this month alone and up nearly 30% since their August 24 low. That rebound has precipitated a huge rebound in related stocks. Um, so energy 
has had a horrible year, but it's had an amazing, you know, last 45 days. So what's that worth? I don't know. It's, it tells you that sometimes it's timing. Um, it's tough to time the market. It's really, really tough. If it was easy, the people sell, telling you that they can time the market wouldn't be telling you that. They would uh, be billionaires. So we've had a huge drop in interest rates, and that's helped the latest mortgage application index reading. It's offered a nice change in economic direction. It showed application volumes surging 25% for the week that just ended on October 3rd versus a 6.7% decline in the prior week. So bolstered again by a 24% jump in refinancing applications and a 27% surge in purchase applications. So all of this world calamity has actually done really well for homeowners in America. Uh, sometimes we've purchased homes at really incredibly low rates, and sometimes we've refinanced our current homes at really low, incredible rates. And the reason we're getting such a, a bonus right now is, is the world's scared, and the world's parking money in our our, our bonds, and those are the bonds that are directly linked towards you be, having the ability to borrow money to buy a big home. So we did get weaker than expected earnings guidance from Yum Brands, Monsanto, RPM International, uh, earnings warnings from Adobe, Allegheny, and New Skin Enterprises. Some positive notes, um, Constellation Brands, they make booze, alcohol, uh, ticker symbol STZ, and Global Payments both delivered better than expected results. Uh, so we got that kind of going for us. It's interesting to note. The Yum Brands one, I think, is something we can talk about because you know Yum Brands. And you may not know the name, but you know Yum Brands. They're Taco Bell. They're uh, Pizza Hut. They're Kentucky Fried Chicken. And their whole story is all about China as far as an investment goes. And I don't quite get it, but apparently the Chinese think Kentucky Fried Chicken is like the end-all be-all of, I guess, pop culture slash fast food. Um, an analyst out yesterday said, he was talking about uh, Taco Bell, Yo Quiero Taco Bell. Uh, he said that Taco Bell, Yum Brands needs to get rid of Taco Bell altogether and just keep KFC and Pizza Hut together because that's the play on China. Yo quiero Taco Bell. As the approximate negative 16% aftermarket to Clem stock shows, Yum is China stock first and foremost, and solid quarter from Taco Bell is something investors care much about in this context. Um, investors who want to ride the China roller coaster in China is improving and likely will continue to improve in fourth quarter, just at a pace slower than anticipated. They don't seem to care about Taco Bell, which doesn't have any restaurants open in mainland China at this point in time. So people are starting to say Taco Bell needs to go. Kind of amazing, isn't it? Volkswagen shares are popping today. Uh, popping on a good way up. After the troubled car maker spelled out how it was going to recover from the emissions rigging scandal that has engulfed the company. New Volkswagen CEO Matthias Müller said in a newspaper today that, you know, He's going to launch a recall for cars affected by its diesel emissions crisis in January and complete the fix by the end of next year. So that's helping the stock in the short term. <laughs> Saudi billionaire Prince Alawalid bin Talal 
Um, he's doubled his stake in Twitter. Um, he thinks he, you know, his whole combined shares represent more than 5% of Twitter's common stock at a market value of over a billion dollars. Um, he had originally invested $300 million in Twitter in 2011 before the microblogging site went public two years later. Uh, he's one of those investors in the world that you pay attention to because he typically buys a lot and stays for a long time. Um, he was big in the tech companies, big in the tech companies. I don't really know his, his track record. He doesn't publish it, but uh, historically it feels like um, pretty solid. So GoPro, Morgan Stanley analysts think GoPro's latest camera was a flop. So GoPro's got a new camera out, and they don't like it. It's a small camera. Um, it's most compact and most convenient camera yet. So analysts have cut the price target in half, going from 62 bucks down to $35. So basically consumers are negative about the silver LCD screen superior video quality over the sessions, a smaller one. So... The silver people like, the session people don't like. Um, so you might remember last month, Barron's, which is a magazine that I read on weekends, a uh, financial rag, so to speak. Um, you might remember they were out saying that they think GoPro can go down to $25 a share. Um in large part because they didn't have a big camera. They didn't have anything great for the holiday season. Um, so GoPro's new tiny camera is a flop, and analysts are cutting their price targets. And it's pretty close to 25 at this point in time. It's at 29 bucks a share. Uh, this was a high-flying stock all the way at $92 a share. They have fallen hardcore. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. IPO just came out today called Pure Storage. It's pretty funny if you look at the opening bell. Uh, these guys went kind of nuts. And uh, kind of had a big, big party. Of course, there are a lot of paper millionaires. The question is, how are they going to be in 90 days or six months when they get that ability to start selling some of those shares? Uh, Wall Street's giving them a cold shoulder on the opening. So the stock's range between 16 and 17. Um, and it's currently at 16. For an IPO, it's not at 30. So the company makes flash-based storage devices, which typically run much faster than storage that runs on hard disk drives. 
It competes with larger established companies like EMC and NetApp. Pure storage revenue more than quadrupled to $174 million this year. Quadrupled compared with $42 million in the previous year. Its losses, though, have doubled to from $78 million to $183 million. So you do $174 million in revenue, but you lose $183 million. What's wrong there? The company's been growing at an exponential rate, but their losses has as well. Um, the company has a pretty big deficit. You know, it's not making money. No one's going to judge this company anytime soon on making money. Um, last time we saw a tech IPO was about three months ago. And if you take a look at one of the competitors of Pure, the company went, a company called Nimble went public in December 20, 2013, and the stock dropped 57% since hitting an all-time high. Um, this could be bad for the company. Now, again, I don't know their financials. I don't know so much about the company that it's egregious. But this is considered a tech unicorn. A tech unicorn is a company that gets just a massive amount of funding. Um, and they don't ever have to make money as long as they can come public and get their investors' money back to them at a nice premium, everyone's happy except for the people who buy them in the IPO. So it's the initial public offering for all the talk of a bubble amongst privately held tech companies, the latest debut from a so-called unicorn with a billion-dollar valuation. Um, it's below its IPO range, and that's bad news for other companies that are losing similar amounts of money. Um, just throwing it out there. It's bringing CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now? CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. One of my favorite ways to save, one of my favorite ways to get rich is maxing out the 401k or the 403b or the 457. Chad, tell us a little bit about what these products are. Well, it's 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 a way that, I mean, you can save after-tax dollars that grow tax-free now or pre-tax dollars that grow tax-deferred. And so, because there's a regular 401k and there's a Roth 401k, we can we can kind of get into later. But the idea of of pre-tax savings, let's go with that because okay. there's a lot of scams, in my opinion, out there, especially on radio or people even see it on public broadcasting and think it's a good idea just because they bought some time. But people talking about the 401k is bad, you know. Instead, oh, buy this crazy. life insurance indexed you know, fund or something like that, or Basically, ways to sell you product or annuities or life insurance or whatever it may be. But look, if you got a dollar, if you put the dollar into the 401k, the entire dollar goes to work. So your tax money stays in your 401k and compounds for you. If you take that dollar home, you might only have somewhere between you know 80 and 60 cents, depending on your tax bracket, to invest in something else. So maxing out your 401k is is very important. Now, um, you know, there used to be a lot of really bad 401k plans, and there still are. There's still some companies that have their plans stuck in what's called group annuities or really bad investments because they haven't kind of changed with the times. If that's the case, you need to get educated. You need to figure out what is in your 401k before you start complaining about the performance. You need to say, what am I invested in? What are my options? What are the fees? Now each year they're supposed to give you your annual fees. Um, in in writing and say this is what you're paying and if it's if it's a bad deal you can go to the uh, uh, your your HR and you know complain um, in a, in a good way not yeah. not in a way to get you fired but in a good way and say hey there's some better options out here and part of it is you have to get educated first before you can complain and if you've left the company 
it's almost always a good idea to roll over a 401k. And we can go any angle, Rob. We can talk about how to roll it over or when is it not a good idea to roll over because that's really kind of two topics that we should hit on at some point. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about it right now. Um, I, okay. I like the 401k. We've got that established. We kind of know what the positives are of it. Um, people should compare them. But when should you roll them over or not roll them over when you leave a company? Well, let's let's talk about when you don't roll them over. Okay. Um, because there's there's kind of few times when you don't want to roll them over. Um, one reason is if you are retiring early, let's say you're 55 or older, and you've decided to retire early, you've saved a lot of money. Well, if you're 55 and older in a 401k plan, you can access your money without that 10% penalty. If you roll it into an IRA, you have to wait till you're 59 and a half. So sometimes in early retirement, you might not do the rollover. Another time is if you're in these older plans that you get a lot of company stock uh, in the form of a match inside your plan, mm -hmm. there is something called Nut Unrealized Appreciation, that's NUA, and it's a way that you can actually get the stock out into a normal account, pay very low taxes on the basis, and then qualify for a lower tax rate on the gains, and then separate your other funds, and it, it, it's kind of a whole other topic, but... It's something that you have to look at your plan and say, oh, I do have my company stock inside my plan. I shouldn't be so quick to roll it over. I need to research this NUA, Net Realizing Appreciation. Um, the other reason, too, is that why you might not roll it all over. If, if you're close to retirement and you're trying to look for places to store safe money, that I always talk about, the three years worth of portfolio uh -huh. draws and safe, safe money. Sure. Some 401ks have really good stable value funds where they earn a higher rate of safe return, much higher than CDs are paying right now. Other than that, Rob, roll them over. If you've left your job or you've left several jobs, um, you know, you have the, the options to open up one IRA and consolidate all your old 401ks and IRA into that IRA, or you could roll it into your existing 401k at work if it's a really good one. And, you know, if, if the, the person that's got like a whole bunch of 401ks that don't add up to a whole heck of a lot of money, in other words, they couldn't, couldn't qualify for professional management, yeah. it's usually best to consolidate it all into the existing 401k if it's a good one. But if you want some outside management, you want some help, um, it's pretty easy to actually get them all rolled over and consolidated into one IRA. What you do is you pick a place to do the IRA, you open up the IRA account, and you start calling your old 401Ks, and they either actually process the rollover over the phone, they send you a check, or they send you the forms to get it done. Take some time, but it's not that difficult. Thanks very much. That's CFP Chad Burton talking 401Ks. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. China has long been an investor's dream, a reliable economic juggernaut. The next economic juggernaut, women. They're the most underutilized and underleveraged resource in the world. Pretty fascinating. Great labor force participation rates, rising incomes, global purchasing power, never been greater for women. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Time to talk with Dr. Jeff Rosen, one of my favorite guests, economistwithbriefing.com, smart guy, relatable, which is probably one of the public's biggest fears of talking with an economist is that I don't know what he's going to test. I don't know what he means, but you do a really good job with this, Dr. Jeff. Um, it's been a while since you've been on. Uh, the jobs report that came out was viewed negatively. What was your take on it at the start of the month? Um, let's just put it this way. I was actually disappointed that we didn't have a government shutdown to prevent the jobs report from coming out. <laughs> I mean, it, it was really bad. and it, it was not anywhere what we wanted to see. We saw a drop in, in hourly earnings. We saw you know, two consecutive months of you know, considerably weak payroll growth. We saw another you know, big step off of the uh, number of people in the labor force as people can't find jobs and they're leaving, you know, in, in mass. And, you know, this is not what we were expecting. We were expecting, you know, an acceleration. We were expecting the Fed to have reason to raise rates in 2015. You know, we were expecting, you know, just basically a turnaround in, uh, in wage growth and, and uh, you know, growth in jobs in general. Weak enough that the Federal Reserve pauses for the rest of the year? In my opinion, they have to. I mean, unless we have a big reversal in the next number, and, you know, it, the way everything is, is focused right now is that everybody, you know, is just looking for the next report. What is the next report going to say? So if we have a big reversal that says that, you know, the last two months were more of an anomaly than an actual trend, then you may have some you know, reasoning to raise rates in 2015. But the way I see it, I mean, the way you have no wage growth. You know, you have no payroll growth. You have people leaving the unemployment, you know, leaving the labor force, which is the only reason why the labor, uh, the unemployment rate is staying where it is. I mean, if we had the same participation rate uh, in September as we did in August, we would have had an unemployment rate of 5.3% versus the 5.1% in the print. So... I mean, this is these aren't good signs. This is not a sign of, you know, inflation returning back to its long-term trend, where the Fed is hoping to get to two percent. You know, this this doesn't cut it. This isn't cutting it to getting an economy, you know, closing in on full employment. I mean, it's clearly telling you that the unemployment rate, which you know we've talked about you know numerous times, is a bias indicator. It's not a metric that's accurately explaining what the true uh, employment situation is. You know, if this was real, we would have expected to see, you know, a nice big increase in uh, in wages, and, and that didn't happen. You actually had a a tick down in the average average wage. So, you know, these are these are not good signs. The IMF has recently been talking. Christine Lagarde, I think, is the head of that agency. What are your opinions about Christine Lagarde and some of the things that are coming out of her, out of uh, the press releases? I think that, you know, she's talking up the fact that, you know, global economy is slowing. I think that's pretty confident, and the numbers are saying that. And, you know, the, the U.S. is a main contributor to economic growth. So, you know, if the U.S. is going to, you know, tighten policy, slow growth in the U.S., you're going to slow global growth, and it's going to make things harder. So I think that, uh, you know, the IMF is saying, hey, we need, we need a leader. And, 
you know, right now, really the only leader you know, that we can see is the U.S. And as you saw in the last jobs report, I mean, maybe we're not as, as much of a, of a leader as we once thought. With the oil prices down, obviously earnings are expected to be lower for the S&P 500. If we were able to strip out oil earnings, what do you think the earnings season would be looking like as we're heading into it? Well, it's different because, you know, if you look at the S&P 500, you know, it's not a domestic, uh, you know, internal U.S. group of companies. So, you know, they're going to be more impacted by slowdowns across the globe. So even if the U.S. is strong, you know, you're not going to see the earnings growth that is going to be, you know, what you would have seen, you know, if China was accelerating, for example, or, you know, if Europe was booming. You know, we're not getting that. You know, we're seeing slowdown outside and these companies receive a big portion of their earnings from outside the US and and that makes things for a bad situation if you're a you know a company that's that's listed on the stock market how is the economy converging right now with the stock market i know you get a lot of input from some of your fellow analysts at briefing.com what's the feeling with the sluggish results well, I, I mean i think the stock market is more impacted on the global situation than the U.S. situation. I mean, right now, as it stands, even with the you know dismal employment report, which you know, is more going to look at uh, you know future GDP growth. But I mean, if you look at current growth trends, I mean, we're at three percent right now for Q3 in my latest forecast. So you know things are stable. You know they're not booming, but they're not bad. They're not you know, recessionary in it by any means. So, you know, if you're looking at what the U.S. is doing, things look all right. Uh, you know, I think that we're going to see a little bit worse growth in, in the near future as, uh, you know, some of the export sectors have to slow down more than they than they currently are. But, I mean, beyond that, you know, the U.S. is all right. It's just that, you know, the stock market is impacted by everybody else, you know, Yum Brands this morning, you know, saying that their, you know, sales in China were weak, which was pushing down, you know, putting stock pressure on the, on the downside. So, I mean, looking at the at the stock market, it's not a U.S. you know centric system. It's it's much more global, and and that's going to be reflected in those prices. What else are you working on? What else are you looking at right now that you think should be noted for us? Uh, yeah, it's all the same. You know, everybody's looking at, you know, what's the employment sector going to do, you know, how things are, and then how are rates going to trend? You know, the new thing now is that we have, uh, you know, the potential of a debt ceiling crisis coming up in the uh, beginning of next month. And, you know, Treasury Secretary Liu said that, you know, the Treasury won't be able to basically pay off its current debt situation on November 5th. So if we don't see a raise in the ceiling, you could have a technical default where we don't pay on some of our debt obligations. You know, last time this was a manufactured crisis in 2013, we saw a big increase in short-term yields. Wouldn't surprise me if that happens again. You know, it adds risk to, you know, money market accounts and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, a lot of pension funds and insurance companies have, you know, balances in to keep their, uh, you know, 
current uh, duration you know, investments to, to match what their liabilities are, you know, these things could be very difficult. You know, and you know, I don't know if the uh, you know, resignation of um, Speaker Boehner is going to make things better or worse in that category in terms of what's the probability of something happens. And then even after that is taken care of, you know, we have a budget that only goes through December 11th, and that's a, like five days, I want to say, or six days before the FOMC meets in December. You know, if we have a government shutdown in December, you could probably wipe off any chance of, the, you know, the Fed raising rates, because I can't see them doing uh, a rate hike, even if the economic data said it was okay during a government shutdown when you already have, you know, uncertainty and, and you know, problems with, you know, what's going on in the U.S. So, you know, there, there's a lot of political, uh, you know, in political stuff that you can't, you know, guarantee one way or another, but you have to model it somehow, and it's making things difficult. And we're just, you know, looking back at how, you know, how things happened in 2013, you know, when the last time this these uh, these problems came up. We recently have heard a little bit about the historic 12-nation Pacific trade deal that was struck on Monday. Um, do you look at trade deals, or do you factor them in after the fact? Like, you wait to see the numbers roll out to see who's the winners and losers? Yeah, I mean, I don't spend too much time on it. I mean, a lot of okay. it, the individuals are specific companies, uh, you know, that's not really my, my forte. I, I kind of stay away from, from, you know, trying to pick winners and losers in that way. You know, if you look at global trade, uh, you would expect it to see some export markets open up. You would expect to see some imports mar markets open up. You know, are we going to see a bigger trade deficit because of it? I, I don't know. Um, but you kind of have to wait to see how the data moves through to see, you know, see how that goes. But, I, I, I try not to pick winners and losers because I, I just don't have the the ability to do so. I'm with you. Um, how about the trade gap? Do you? I remember as a young boy, you know, would come on the news, the trade gap widens, and you know, we'd, at that point in time, we were angry at the Japanese and then the Chinese, and then like, do you look at the trade gap? Does it matter to you? Or? I mean, it impacts GDP, but it's beneficial okay. for your lifestyle. I mean, the reason why. You know, we're importing more goods than exporting is because we're able to get some things cheaper than we could do here. You know, again, there's certain industries that, uh, you know, definitely get impacted by these, you know, textile industries, furniture industries, stuff like that, that was, you know, a major source of employment, you know, 50, 60 years ago that, you know, aren't really here in the United States anymore because of, you know, I, the opening of, of trade, you know, across the global economies. But, I mean, in terms of actual improvements, I mean, it's, it's a better thing for you and me. I mean, it's better that we were able to get, you know, something relatively cheaper, you know, that frees up our labor force to, to do stuff that, you know, is, you know, we're comparatively better at, you know, computer software, Thanks. financial markets and this stuff. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with Briefing.com, a reliable source of information.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the areas that I'm always fascinated in is demographics and data. As an investor, you have to, I believe you have to have access to information that is helpful for you. Uh, one of the reasons I use briefing.com on the show is I think they do a really nice job. And I think they're independent, which means a lot. It's not like they're talking up their positions because they don't have positions. So China's long been an investor's dream, right? A reliable economic juggernaut that made a 10% annual growth rate look easy. But now you can take a look at them, and you can see that they're sputtering a bit. And investors are looking for the next big source of growth. I think women are the most underutilized and underleveraged resource in the world. Wealthier and healthier influencers and creators. Women represent one of the most powerful economic cohorts, not only the United States, but also the world. We're seeing rising education levels, greater labor force participation rates, rising incomes, Global purchasing power of women has never been greater. Around the world, more girls are in school, more women are working, and policies are being put in place to treat women more equitably. Right now, only about 50% of women participate in the formal economies. It's a colossal waste of talent and a huge forfeiture of demand and spending. But with that abysmal rate, the female economy is still huge. Estimates right now that the global female income topped $15 trillion last year. That's 40% larger than China's economy and larger than every economy except for that of the United States. If more women around the world are getting involved in the formal economy, it could be a much bigger amount. Even in developed economies where women are already our major players in the economy, narrowing the gap between female and male employment could make a big splash. Closing the gender gap in Japan would add about 20% to GDP in 15 years, and just narrowing percent would add another 11% to their GDP. So the female economy's boom is not inevitable. There are some nations where women are still forbidden to work, drive cars, own property, and sometimes even leave their homes. When you think you got it bad, think about other parts of the world, uh, particularly the Middle East and North Africa. Women are not treated correctly. Um, you know, as a final note on this, as much as $28 trillion, which is a staggering amount of money, could be added to global annual GDP in 2025 if women in the world played an identical role in the labor markets as men. That's very China-like in growth numbers. So uh, let's keep an eye on this. I think it's worth noting, and I think it's worth repeating 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. About 30% of all homes lost value in August from a year earlier, that according to Zillow. That's down from a recent high of 65% in January 2009, although a normal housing market would be closer to 20%. So not all markets experienced recovery evenly. Uh, the median value year over year is about $180,800. It's up about 3.3%. The hottest city in America right now is Denver, as far as big cities go. Um, less than 1% of all homes in Denver uh, lost value year over year. 
was recently in Denver, and uh, not a lot of culture. Great place to uh, visit, but not a lot of like uh, great restaurants. A lot of chains, lots and lots of chains restaurants. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, this year is shaping up to be the crummiest year for U.S. stocks since the implosion of Lehman Brothers. Um, the benchmark S&P 500 through last Friday was down about 8%, 9% from its peak, far short of a bear market. Um, so building your nest egg could be kind of tricky. I get it. Um, I want you to try not to forecast. I want you to accumulate wealth when you're younger. And then I want you to manage it when you're older. Um, and again, to get to retirement, you're going to need somewhere between 10 and 20 times your income to hopefully last as long as possible. But we're also living longer, so that, that number may be, may be incorrect. Um, leave your nest egg alone in a down market. Don't go after it. Don't get panicky. Don't get nervous. Um, we are entering earnings season. I think it's going to be a market that's got a lot of losers, particularly oil. Um, but will it they have put in a bottom is the, is the question. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be trying to pay attention to see if they did that. Uh, other areas that are struggling, any company that has exposure to foreign, sea, foreign markets. Um, so the small cap companies in the United States probably will do the best. But materials, consumer staples, things that we have to have, industrial sectors, all have been hit with a lot of negative revisions. So I think that's going to be the theme of the quarter of, of earnings season. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm of the mindset that I'm going to pay real close attention to oil stocks during earnings season because I think uh, they could be the, the bottoms. They could be the ones that are time to you know look into but i gotta wait for the earnings season. i gotta wait for the conference calls 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air 800-516-1220 microsoft is coming out with a lot of great product they're coming out with their own laptop which is impre- is important to note because it's kind of similar to what the apple does coming out with their own product um and windows 10 is pretty nice i like it I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Find me on Facebook, Cron4, Rob Black. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.